You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. We Chaldeans are born afraid. It's how we survive. My whole life have never known a moment without fear. Not one time to grieve. This is not that time. It's a brand new episode of I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly Star Trek podcast. It is Anthony Lewis and Aurora Babalu here to talk more Star Trek Discovery. Uh, so we have a Chief Petty Officer and we have a Lieutenant Commander Chief Science Officer, but mm-hmm. the Fleet Admiral is once more uh, off ship. Yeah, he's in a secret mission. <laughs> Actually, you know what? It's not It's not that secret. He is... He is on, like, terra firma. He's, like, uh, back on Earth, but yes. sailing the oceans blue. He, <laughs> in fact, like, you know, maybe, like, 10, 15 minutes, not not that long ago, he posted that he got his boating license. So he's yep. now, like, a real captain of the seas. Yes. Uh, I, I asked him, I congratulated him on his captaincy, and but then I asked him uh, how many steps it will be until he is Fleet Admiral of the Water as well. Uh, and he <laughs> responded with one or two. So <laughs> he may have a way to go. Uh, before we talk about this week's episode, um, I wanted to know if you had any thoughts on the episode you missed out on last week. Mm-hmm. Magic to make the sanest man go mad. The time looped episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, any thoughts? I really liked it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And I liked the whole concept of you know replaying the 20 minutes over and over again. Yes. And Stamets having to go back and, you know, find ways to replay it so that... <laughs> yes. That must have been so frustrating yeah, to, like, yeah. over and over again try to explain to people. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of, you know, like, Star Trek. Yeah. But also a little bit of Doctor Who. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Right? Sure. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. It's it's It had that Kirk, that old Star Trek episodes had mm-hmm. um so yeah i enjoyed it a I lot mean, it even ended ben and i were uh laughing quite a bit about how the episode ends with um mud who is mm-hmm. <laughs> tortured the space whale who's captured the ship who's <laughs> theoretically executed the crew and blown up the the ship hundreds of times instead of turning this man over to authorities they turn him over to his wife <laughs> and, yep. her, and her dad <laughs> <laughs> Which is like a total, like, how the original series would have ended. Yep. Like, your punishment isn't to face criminal justice. You have to go off with this lady you don't want to marry. We're going to... Yes. We're going to force you to leave with her. Yeah. Uh, what, what did you, uh, do you... you So you had a score for last week's episode, then? Yes. Okay. I gave it a solid four. Yeah, it was a fun episode. Yeah, it was. It was fun. 
things kind of were a little similar this week too. Things yeah. were things were feeling a little more uh, self-contained this week too. It's crazy that for a show that we thought was going to be very um, like uh, chapter, you know, each episode is a chapter, which they did say. Mm-hmm. Um, they sort of forget a lot about uh, the over. Sometimes it feels like the overarching thing isn't very overarching. Like yeah, the Klingon yeah. War and all that other stuff. Now, I did note to Ben also last week, I don't know if you listened to the episode, but we, I complained mm-hmm. that there's all this talk about the war, where they're like, you know, the war has been going great, thanks to our ship, we're winning, so we're throwing a party. Yeah. But I was like, you know, we're like seven episodes in, and two of those episodes were like before the war even happened. Right. And it's like, we don't ever see very much of the war. Like, maybe they just had to give you that one setup uh, in the episode, you know, where they, like, fly in and save the colony and they shoot the yeah. ships and then disappear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's all you needed is that setup and you just imagine, oh, they're doing that all over the place and that's why they're winning. But it's Yeah, like, but it's not, it's, really... not, it's not that clear, though, no. Yeah, it's like, well, yeah. we're not really seeing that much of the war. So, thankfully, this week, uh, or this last episode... Like the first thing we see is like a big space battle, which yeah. was which was nice. So let's dive in. Let's talk about it. Season one, episode eight of Discovery, called Sevis Pacum Parabellum. Uh, we begin with the Discovery coming to the aid of another Federation ship, but it is unable to prevent its destruction uh, at the hands of a Klingon ship, and the Klingons are now uh, the cloaking technology has spread. Cole is is sharing it with with any other Klingons that decide to join up with him. Desperate for a way to detect these ships, even when they are cloaked, Burnham, Tyler, and Saru are sent to the planet of Pavo, a mm-hmm. seemingly uninhabited planet with a naturally occurring crystalline transmitter that broadcasts the planet's vibrational frequencies into space. They hope to use the transmitter to create a sonar for the hidden Klingon ships. They discover that Pavo is, in fact, inhabited with indigenous life, that introduce Saru to their higher understanding of peace, and he attempts to force Burnham and Tyler to remain with him on the planet forever. Burnham is able to fight off Saru and broadcast the new signal. However, the Pavins uh, adjust the signal to also contact the Klingons as well, hoping to end the war. Cole receives the signal. After sentencing Laurel to death, she has tried to help... Uh, Cornwell escape in exchange for the protection from Cole, leading to Lorel apparently killing Cornwell to try to save face with Cole. Although I don't think she's dead. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Uh, so, what did you think of this Latin titled episode? <laughs> if you want peace, prepare for war. Is that what it means? Yes. Okay. Um, I, I again, I liked it, and I agree with you that at the beginning the episode seemed. Like they were building up on each other, but now it it feels even though we have like the main story now it feels like more um, separate. Mm-hmm. Like we had the the previous episode, yes, it had to do with the main story, but we had that twenty minute loop, and in this one we have this new you know civilization, yeah. uh, new aliens, and they they we you know they're different, and uh, we also have the it wasn't mentioned in the synopsis, but Tyler and Burnham are together. That's right. They share their first non-time-looped kiss together. Yes. Yes. Uh, how did you feel about th- how did you feel about them basically taking 
a line straight out of Wrath of Khan for that because they're talking about mm. the needs of the many yep. as opposed to the few and then Burnham says or the one yep. and Ash Tyler is like I can't take it anymore <laughs> I must kiss this woman <laughs> I feel like this whole situation between both of them is more confirmation that he he is uh, undercover Klingon <laughs> yes so they by the way people keep asking people about this mm-hmm. and Shazad Latif especially is uh, trying to do his best to not say anything about it somebody yep. asked Jason Isaacs about it on Twitter and he's like oh I only met him once when we were doing costume fittings <laughs> so naturally <laughs> he would be in makeup mm-hmm. uh yeah, and somebody's even set up a, a fake Twitter account with the fake actor's name or whatever. Of course, of and course. all of all of his tweets are like, "Well, as a real actor, I would like to say <laughs> that." Uh, it's yeah, it's it's getting it's getting a little silly, but um, the theory has evolved slightly uh, because people are wondering, like, you know, if he's undercover, like, you know, why is he so good at being human? Well, I mean, he's a good spy, right? Maybe, maybe. Although the there, the I guess the twist in the I guess the twist in the theory is that part of part of this whole thing is you know Vok is Ash Tyler, but whatever they used, I don't know if they used like a like a mind sifter, which is like a Klingon thing from like the original series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but there are some other other techniques or whatever where maybe he's he is Vok, but he doesn't realize he is he's a sleeper and that like, could be that makes sense yeah like you know Laurel's like you know this is what you have to do like you have to not only do we have to make you look human but you have to become human you have to think you're human and like when the time is right Laurel pushes the button now remember in this episode uh Laurel is in charge of she puts herself in a position to interrogate Admiral Cornwell. Right. And when she gets in there, she's like, look, I hate this place. Mm -hmm. I want to defect. And uh, it's clear she wants to get on Discovery. Yeah. And I feel like it's clear she gets on Discovery, she's going to beep, press the button, and then Ash Tyler is not Ash Tyler anymore. Yeah. So at least I feel like maybe that's where they're, they're headed. Um. It was interesting. We got eight episodes in, and we finally got uh, an episode that mostly takes place on an alien planet. Yes. Yeah. So that was nice. A lot of people are thinking that the Pavins look very similar to, like, the spores. Yes. Maybe they're interconnected in some way. Yep. 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 Um, a lot of people obviously made the original series episode connection with the episode Errand of Mercy, mm-hmm. which has the Organians, although they take human form, because non-corporeal looking life forms is a very expensive visual effects <laughs> right. uh, thing to do in 1960s television. Yes. So they look like humans for 99.9% of the episode. Uh, yeah. And you know, the alien planet looked like an alien planet compared to like the original series where you, it was just a forest somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It would be like uh, foam rocks and some <laughs> like a, a cavern wall or something yeah. along those lines. <laughs> It did. They did do a good job with that. I will say this: I they did 
they did something that just it hit like that uncanny valley for me. Now usually they do this with like usually you see this with like visual effects if they try to make a human face and it right. doesn't look quite right. This episode for me it was Saru running. Oh my god, I was just gonna say that. <laughs> it it that did not look creep, good. That creeped me out. Yeah, it did not look good. <laughs> no. It looked weird. <laughs> It didn't look quite right. It was just like, what, did they not have time to finish this? Or when they when they panned over and he was like running on top of the rocks, <laughs> super creepy looking. In a but way. he looked yeah. bigger than he is, right? He looked huge. He looked huge. Yeah, like nine feet tall. Or I mean, he's not. He's supposed to be like eight feet tall or something, but he looked way bigger than that. And, yeah. Yes. Although forced perspective, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's all weird. I don't know. <laughs> uh. Another question comes from, so, like, at the end where Saru and Burnham are, like, battling each other at mm-hmm. the the transmitter, Tyler just shows up in, like, a, yeah. a, like a Pavan transmitter or something. Yep. Like, he just sort of shows up. And so a lot of people are, because there's, like, this bit earlier where he's... Saru is talking with Tyler trying to get him to like, you know, you should do what I'm doing with the Pavins. The piece is so great. And like he touches some sort of stone or something. And he detects that Tyler is lying to him about his intentions. But also the uh, the famed threat ganglia appear and people are like, you know, is this like a double edged meaning? Does like somewhere like some sixth sense did Saru sense that Tyler's not what he says he is? Which is a human being. That's what I thought when that happened. I thought he was going to be like, he's, he was going to sense that he's a Klingon. Yeah. Like, what um, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's also, you know, like, did Tyler have anything to do with the Pavans contacting the Klingons mm-hmm, and bringing mm-hmm. them there? Because he was alone with them for a little bit and then he right. sort of appears with them. Yep. So, yeah, there's all that little craziness uh, mm-hmm. going on. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on uh, or anything else about the episode that you enjoyed? Um, no, I think it, it was solid. Um, I think it's the the episodes are getting better. I feel like, mm-hmm. yeah. I I uh, I like the show, but I'm still feel weird about it in a lot of ways. Um, okay. I mean, look, it, it's still like the first season. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what the second season of this show is going to look like. Uh, it could be anything. Yeah. Uh, quite honestly, they may shift gears or, or change uh, what it is that they're doing. Uh, this whole first season could be one big setup for how the rest of the show is going to go forward. Uh, I've seen plenty of things, um, you know, about like Burnham becoming captain and all of this other stuff. Uh, lots of uh, lots of ideas floating around. Yep. In in Trek fandom, but. At the same time, I I haven't seen any episode of this show that's really blown my socks off. Yeah, I think we we have not given any of the episodes a five, right? No, not, I, yeah. I don't. I don't even think even close. I'm not sure if we've. Maybe I gave one like a four and a half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, not, nothing has hit a five. In fact, nothing's really come all that close. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I just haven't really been blown away yet. Somebody was talking about like, um, you know, somebody was 
I think I was reading some comments where somebody was talking about how uh, a recent episode was like one of their, you know, favorite episodes of Star Trek they've ever seen or something, you know, which is fine. Uh, people are welcome to their opinions and you feel how you feel about stuff. But it got me thinking that I don't think I've seen an episode yet that would like crack my top 20 of like favorite yeah. Star Trek. You know, and maybe that person hasn't seen all of the Star Trek I've seen, mm -hmm. or, you know, or maybe they have, and they just have different tastes. But yeah, yeah. like I said, it got me thinking. I haven't seen anything yet that's like, oh my God, what an amazing episode. Right. But, you know, a lot of that is because uh, I haven't watched a lot of sci-fi before I watched Star Trek when I was younger. So Star Trek is kind of like the definitive sci-fi experience for me. Mm -hmm. And... I, we've seen very similar to like the Orville, which was also actually they had a weaker episode. I, I thought this this week, even okay. though it was even though it was kind of fun. Uh, they they did kind of like a, uh, and it's also like a thing that they've done in Star Trek before, where people kind of uh, out, outside of their own instincts or intentions fall in love with somebody. This, yeah, this is that where they get kind of like love drunk. They kind of mm -hmm. did one of those episodes on Orville, which was, uh, it was, it was fun. Uh, in fact, there was actually a hilarious joke at the beginning, which maybe I'll talk about in a minute, but <laughs> it's, 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 I'm floating away from my point here. Uh, every episode of Discovery I've seen so far, uh, the ones, not all of them, but some of them, you know, obviously also harken back to other Star Trek episodes and that's a you know, it's not Discovery's fault, but there's been, you know, 700 or whatever it is episodes of, or 700 hours of Star Trek or whatever the number is. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm, there's just mm -hmm. a crazy number of shows and movies, and you're it's going to be difficult to do something that hasn't been done on one of those episodes. Right, right. So everything yeah. is going to feel kind of familiar uh, story-wise. But yeah, do, you think, do you think that... Um... Do you think that they're relying too much on the special effects instead of the story? No, I mean, well, I mean, I don't know that Saru running would tell me no, <laughs> uh, but they... Because if you, think, if you think about the story right now on Discovery, and if, like, try to imagine that story with the special effects of the original series, do you think it will be strong still? No. Right. So you know the special effects are helping the show. It is. Um, but the story, uh, I, I feel like it doesn't compare still to you know the Star Trek episodes that I love from like the Next Generation and the original series, where it's not about the special effects; it's about the story and how it made me feel after watching the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, they do spend a lot of time not doing visual effect shots. Right. And there is a lot of time spent in just in rooms talking or whatever the case may be. Right. There is a lot of that, but I don't know. And, and it's going on this different route, too, where the show is not really... Um, the show isn't really uh, an all-hands-on-deck-everybody-gets-a-piece-of-the-story everybody gets some character development. This is right. really more about Michael Burnham. Although I will say this, I'm surprised that Saru has gotten as much time and as yeah. much development as he's gotten. Mm -hmm. uh, the way I was reading everything, it really felt like this was going to just be all 
all Michael Burnham all the time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're not. They're doing some development with some of the other cast. But uh, it is weird. Like, for me, with Star Trek, I I like that feeling of that I'm kind of getting to know everybody. Well, I mean, not everybody, but, you know, the main, the bridge crew, that sort of thing. I feel like I know those people. And, you know, uh, there's still time, obviously, but I really feel like I don't, to be honest, I, I don't feel like I really even... I don't feel like I really know anybody no. on the show. Even though it's like the Michael Burnham show, I feel like yeah. she's going through an arc. So she's changing, so I don't really think I know her all that well. Yeah. Um, and then everybody else, I'm not really getting... You know, Stamets, uh, he... <laughs> it's a shame. Stamets felt like he was going back to, like, jerk Stamets from the few uh, from episodes previous. Mm-hmm. In this episode, although I think it's because this whole process with him is <laughs> basically being the warp engines for the ship is is running him ragged. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I was getting senses of like uh, uh, grumbly Stamets from from episodes prior, and I, <laughs> I, I really like hippie Stamets that yeah. we've been getting lately. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I I think he's my favorite character in this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So I I like the show. But I'm not sure. It's like it's a my like of the show fluctuates mm-hmm, mm-hmm. crazily. Like uh, I mean, you know, somebody was even asking like, where would you rank? I can't rank this show in the pantheon of other Star Trek. Th- those shows at yeah at least got three seasons, but most of them got seven. Right. Uh, three of the five shows got seven seasons. I can't really. I can't yeah, really you can. I mean, you. Uh, we grew up with those shows, right? So it, there's a, yep. a different connection to those shows than with this one. So it's mm. it, it might be it will be totally hard to like place it. <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I didn't grow up with the original series, and I was and I was older when Enterprise happened. But mm-hmm. you know, when those shows were done, I was still able to like place them. Yeah, like in in my in my in my top five. But this show, you know, we're only eight episodes into the yeah. first season. It's really hard to say where I would put yeah, it. Yeah, it's too soon. <laughs> so, I mean, right now, I guess it would be at the bottom yeah. of the list. But, you know, that's because everybody else has had a chance to tell some really good stories. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. And I feel like, especially in the, at least in what they say they're trying to do with this show, we have to wait until the season is over, at least to even see what the story is that they're trying to tell so right right uh all right what would you give uh sevis packum parabellum i gave it also a solid four mm-hmm. I mean, like you said it's it's a good it's good yes um it's not amazing <laughs> no i gave it a i gave it a sturdy four as well uh so then next week's episode the i've seen a lot of hype Mm-hmm. From the producers, although you know what the producers and the writers all have to hype a show, right? Uh, although I feel it's dangerous. One of the writers I saw on After Trek, or maybe it was one of the producers, uh, said that he thought it was Balance of Terror level good, which is uh, oh. one of the it's a, one of the more famous original series episodes. Hmm. I don't. I mean, you know, that's I, like, yeah, I will be careful with comparing. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, you know, this is like. Uh, this is like yesterday's Enterprise or Best of Both Worlds or, mm. you know, it's like, yeah, I don't know really if you should be saying that sort of stuff. But, you know, obviously they love what they're doing. 
Yeah. And they're, you know, they're behind it a million percent. I like what they've been doing, but I haven't seen anything, like I said, I haven't seen a single episode of the show yet that would, for me, is like cracking my top 20 of all time Star right. Trek episodes. Right. Um, you know, so far it has been a, a a fine season of Star Trek-like shows. Yes. But it's still, for me, for me, it still hasn't hit that mode where it just feels like Star Trek to me. Yep, yep. I don't know if it's the music isn't quite there or... I mean, a lot of people have said, look, there's a lot of reasons it might not be clicking for you. The visual continuity isn't there. Uh, The tone that has been established in all previous incarnations of Trek is not the tone that they are doing in this show. Uh, People are behaving differently than pretty much anything else you've seen in Star Trek. So, you know, it does. It feels... Not quite right. I mean, at least it doesn't have the longest intro ever, like Deep Space Nine. <laughs> no, but I love Deep Space Nine. You just... But do you like the the intro, Deep Space Nine, where it's like, it's just you know, you know, what, the though, longest I, ever. I love the I love the music, so I'm okay well, yeah, with the, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm okay with the intro. <laughs> I although to be fair, like when I go back and rewatch it, like I'll watch like maybe four episodes at a time. Yep, uh, and then you know, watch another four, another you know, on another day. I will only watch the intro once. Once, right. And then I skip it the other <laughs> three times. I do love the music. Uh, but look, that's just to save some time. Yeah. Uh, before we get going, we got to find uh, some space here to uh, thank Think Geek, our sponsor for this week. Uh, head on over to cinemageekly.com slash thinkgeek. Or uh, if you're at cinemageekly.com, just click the Think Geek link at the top of the page and Pick yourself up some excellent Star Trek Think Geek merchandise. And Aurora, I know I hyped this up to you before yes. we started recording, as this might be the weirdest thing that we have featured. <laughs> I think I think it is. I saw this and I was just like, I gotta know how many of these they've sold. Like, who's <laughs> bought this? And where do they live? Uh are you ready? It's $19.99 yes. from ThinkGeek for the okay. Star Trek USS Enterprise sushi set. What? Yeah. So it's an Enterprise, right? Uh, uh, original series Enterprise with the warp nacelle, with the warp nacelles. And it looks like there's like a blue warp trail coming out from the nacelles. Those are actually chopsticks. And the saucer section lid comes off. And there's a soy sauce dish in there for you to dip your sushi in. Yeah, I'm looking this up. I have to see. (laughs) (laughs) It is the most ridiculous thing I think I have ever seen uh, labeled with Star Trek. It's so kooky. And apparently, there are people who have bought this because they have have a gallery. Oh my god, I'm seeing it right now. Yes. Isn't this crazy? <laughs> That's insane. I've, how did I not notice this before? <laughs> <sighs> well, it's an exclusive from ThinkGeek. Oh my uh, gosh, I love that the dish of the ship is where you put the sauce. The... <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, if you needed to make your sushi eating experience geeky, and I know everybody out there does. Yes. Uh, this is probably the best way to do it. I can't think of a better way. Uh, than a USS Enterprise sushi set. Uh, so pick yours up. Or, hey, look, if that's not your thing, 
<laughs> and I don't blame you if it's not your thing. There's a lot of other cool Star Trek and uh, other geeky collectible items at Think Geek. Hit them up, cinemageekly.com slash thinkgeek. Okay, Aurora. I think uh, that's probably it for this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will return uh, next week. I actually, you know what? I got to do the thing where I say go visit us on cinemageekly.com, check out the archives of the show. And find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music. Just search for I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, and hit subscribe. Now I can say we'll come back next week <laughs> uh, to talk about the season one mid-season finale of Star Trek Discovery. That's right, they're going on a break until January 7th. So they will not be coming back until after the new year. So it'll be season one, episode nine, called Into the Forest I Go. Into the Forest I Go.